0: Hello everybody and welcome back to another interview with a data scientist. My name is Richard Carter and I'm a data scientist at the Data Lab in Edinburgh in Scotland and today I'm very pleased to be joined by Martina Buglesi who's data science lead at the app company Molesy.
1: Thank
0: you Richard welcome everyone. So uh, Molesy is uh, usually described as the tinder for clothes but we'll come on and speak a bit more about um, the company and what Martina's role within that is in a wee while. But um, one thing I do know about you Martina from having witnessed your meetup talk uh, a year or so back now was your transition from doing a PhD in physics to becoming a data scientist. It was a really good um, talk that you gave and um, so I guess for our listeners it'd be just really interesting for those who weren't present just to describe uh, what you did in your PhD and that road, the journey that took you from the from academia into data science.
1: Yes, thank you so much. Uh, yeah so as Richard was saying I come from a physics background, I've uh, done PhD and uh, the topic was around trying to understand how natural language evolves in time It was very data-driven type of work. We were trying to measure how English verbs change their inflection in time, as in, uh, you know, in English you have regular verbs, Mm -hmm. those which in the past tense get an ed suffix, and you got classes of irregular verbs, like, uh, for example, to teach, which becomes taught in the past tense. So the topic was trying to get you know, a measurement of how verbs' uh, inflections change in time. We gather lots of data from corpora of text coming from different um, uh, different sources. We did some little machine learning things to classify whether something, for example, is an adjective or a verb in the past tense, because that's, uh, that's an issue peculiar to English and we were measuring the, the fraction of regular and irregular inflections in time and also by, um, say, whether the text were in um, fiction or non-fiction newspapers, these sort of things. So on top of the data analysis part, uh, we then ended up doing some experiments by just asking real people what did they think the inflection of a verb completely invented but invented according to some linguistic rules will be mm-hmm. in the past. And we were starting to see something quite interesting because you discover differences between native speakers and non-native speakers. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, native speakers typically have a larger vocabulary of their own language, mm-hmm. which is obvious. Uh, so I'm Italian, by the way, so I definitely have... Well, this is one
0: thing that's kind of curious. I wonder why you do it in English and not in Italian, if you Italian yourself and studying in Italy. Was there a reason why English is chosen?
1: Yes, it's a very practical reason. Is that corpora only exist very good corpora only exist for English. Uh, So I finished my PhD three years ago now. So back then there was really only good big data sort of like stuff for English. It wasn't really big data, but it was big enough to do good analysis for Italian. It's minority language compared to English. You didn't have much uh, much text available. Also, English is particularly interesting because it's a language spoken by the whole world Mm -hmm. or a a huge chunk of the whole world, so clearly you will see uh, non-native speakers inserting innovation in the language, while you don't see this for Italian or for, I don't know, Dutch or even German or something like that, because it's mostly spoken by people which are natives. So, English is very, very peculiar uh, as a language, it's quite interesting. Uh, yeah, so we were measuring all sorts of things of analysis, and now we were experimenting and we were also modeling. Um, so where does physics come into play into this? That's the question people always ask me. Uh, it's because physics in the last probably 20 to 30 years became a much, a much broader field than it used to be. Uh, there are the traditional sides of it, you know, particle physics or statistical mechanics, which is my background.. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the detail, but there is an area of it which is called complex systems, which Mm -hmm. deals with uh, measuring how um, things which contain a large number of elements interact together. That could be a a block of matter, like a nice a nice block. It could be a bunch of people. In the case of linguistics, it's people speaking. And it could be anything else. Could be ants building their own, you know. Houses or bees, you know. There's all all of these systems where you can't really track the behavior of each single item because that would be uh, impossible to, to solve the questions for all of this. Because it's very very difficult mathematically. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you do is you apply some physics tools which have been discovered or conceived in the past centuries to a new discipline. In my so, case, it yeah. was linguistics, but. <coughs> There's people working in economics, there's people working in sociology, it's, it's so all
0: very you, As you study this more, do you, do you find that actually some of the same tools or models exist already within LLP that you were using in physics, but maybe by a different name? Because I know I've had a conversation recently with a guy who's a, or was a theoretical physics lecturer, at a local university, and he was describing some of the tools that they use for heat as particle physics, and actually I, I knew exactly what he was talking about, but just by completely different names, same models, different names.
1: Yes, I find this a lot in the machine learning uh, compared to other fields in areas, so what is probably the best example of this is probably linear regressions. a very simple statistics tool, very like the baseline for lots of work. In physics, we might not call it linear regression, we might call it a fit, just sure. fit, uh, mm-hmm. a curve to points. And that's what physicists, physicists do all the time. They try to solve questions, so they need to, they have experimental points and they need to find the curve which describes them best, but that's called a fit, typically, in physics. It's called a regression, whatever, it's, if it's linear or not, but it's called a regression in statistics mm-hmm. slash machine learning. But that happens to, to so many other things, yes. People sure. the vocabulary can be, quite different but we talk the same thing.
0: <laughs> so you, you finished your PhD, you said, three years ago and uh, then I know you've obviously been at Morsi for three years so you weren't for staying in academia but um, how did you find out about Morsi, Edinburgh, what brought you to Scotland?
1: So what brought me to Scotland was pretty much very personal reasons As then my partner was already here finishing his PhD uh, and I was interested in, uh, in getting into data science because by doing this work and you know having collected all of these tools from physics eh, I was eh, not particularly keen on continuing as a researcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to go more for, a, for an industrial role where I could apply those things to solving an, a more practical, practical problem. Eh, but obviously initially the challenge, which is the same as for everybody which does this thing, is eh, that the two environments can be quite different. Mm-hmm. So, initially, actually, I worked as a developer. It was a very brief experience, but it taught me a lot, uh, even just at the level of understanding how development, software development uh, works. And then afterwards, uh, back then, that was two and a half years ago now, uh, Multi was hiring for design just uh, because we are a data company and we wanted to understand more of the data we were collecting. Yeah, that's me. That's how I ended up there. Okay,
0: so it's good. So, what kind of tools do you did you uh, first learn, and what do you use now within Molsey? What uh, languages you program in?
1: So, all of the data science stuff is in Python. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I we we the data science department, let's say, uh, we use Python for prototyping, uh, but we use Python in production as well when it comes to jobs which need to crunch loads of data, we put them on top of Spark. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are in the cloud, so we use AWS, so that makes it quite, uh, let's say, as painless as possible to deploy things without having to worry too much of maintaining servers and these sort of things. Uh, But yeah, in general, the data science part of the company is uh, primarily in Python. We don't have any draconian choice, it's just that, it's the language that I personally prefer for doing prototyping because you've got Jupyter because you've got lots of interactivity, um, and then, you know, it's relatively easy to integrate with all of the rest of the technology that we have. Okay. And how
0: big is the team there of data scientists? So, there's
1: me and Alice, uh, which is our data analyst, and we do crack on the data science side of things, then we obviously interact with all of the tech uh-huh. themes, so we have a um, the app developers, we have the designers, and we got a front-end and back-end developers and engineers. So, it's a very, very close team and we all work together. On the design side at the moment, there's the two of us.
0: So for people who are listening who haven't uh, seen or heard of Mallsy before, I think you said something um, when you just introduced your company there, which to me is very interesting. You said that Mallsy is a data company. But I've actually, obviously, had a look at the app and had a play around with it. And um, to somebody who's looking at Molsey for the first time, you maybe not think of it as a data company, so maybe you could just uh, explain to the listeners uh, what Molsey is, does, and um, but then how you take that and frame it as a data company and the data and the data problems you have to solve there.
1: Yeah. So the company. Um, yeah. The more. The consumer side of the company is the app that we have, which is known as the Tinder for Fashion because what you do is you have this wiping interface and we gather a consumer opinion on um, items of clothing, accessories and shoes. Uh, We have loads of brands and we have loads of choices really. And the aim is to tailor and to make the app work for a differentiated user base because we want to serve everyone. We um, you know, we are the, the place where people shop for, what, for when they need to find clothes. Um, that's for the consumer side of things. But what we do is in the B2B side, eh, that's where I say it's a data company, because what we do is we provide our clients, the retailers and the brands we serve, with useful insights on the performance of their own products. So we gather consumer opinions. And we crunch them to uh, make the retailer more aware mm-hmm. of what's happening to their products and make better buying decisions when they need to to choose which lines uh, to invest more in. Mm-hmm. That is um that is the two funnels pretty much we operate on, and data science is at, um, at the core of both of them because on the consumer side. We again want to be more and more tailored to you, we got recommendations in place uh, but we are keeping improving them so that the user is is happy to use the app. And On the business-to-business side we do want to to do some, some algorithmic ways of predicting what's going to be more trendy next season. And that's where we invest more of our machine learning capabilities in.
0: Okay. So I think I'm right in saying that Molsey was founded just over four years ago. So you've been there as a first data scientist there for three years. So is it fair to say that actually some of these um, directions that the company's taking weren't necessarily perceived from the outset and that actually the companies realize that with all this data that you've got, that actually there's a whole load of applications that it can be used for that, that maybe the founders weren't originally thinking of when they first set the company up?
1: It's always the case for a startup, <coughs> I'd say, right? So you don't necessarily have all uh, from the start, it's super clear to your mind. But if you are uh, a company which collects huge chunks of data every day, like we do, uh, you start thinking, what do we do with this? To, to make for a very reliable business model, but also to make something which is a tool that people really want to use. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely, but this is always the case, like every day we come up with some new ideas. Uh, the challenge is to determine which is going to be an idea which is worth investing on more and more. And so yeah, this is this is the fun of working in a startup, I'd say from my point of view, as a data scientist, it's like nothing is set in stone from the start. You don't have a precise uh, goal to hit, you just come up during the day and start thinking, how am I going to help the company do uh, better? And also, how am I going to help the company make better data-driven decisions, which is the internal side of data science. So everything we do at Mallsy is data-driven, like, from our marketing campaigns to uh, the clients that we want to serve because we think we can work better with them. Um, that, is all, that is all based on, on data.
0: It's great to hear you kind of say that, that um, it's all based on data and you're helping the company make data-driven decisions because I guess that's one of the advantages you have at a startup is that you can do that. Quite often with established companies, it's maybe harder to make your voice heard as a data scientist in and amongst an established organization, but it sounds from what you're saying that um, everybody there within Molsey is uh, very much on board with the value that data scientists can bring to an organization and that they give you the scope to to investigate and experiment a bit with data science and see what value you can bring
1: yeah exactly so there's a side of it which is research It's purely research exactly what I was doing you know in, in the university before like I got the the opportunity to to experiment new algorithms new tools to learn new things because I don't know everything which is around the data science I don't believe that anyone does it's such a huge field which is expanding at a rate which you can't keep up with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there's the research side of it, and there's the productionization side of it, and there's the business analysis side of it as well, which is very important to, mm-hmm. to write. So like, what metrics are we using for assessing this thing? Is it the right one? Are we seeing the right picture? These are all things that you can do um, better and better if you all of the people together are setting around the data and saying, oh, you know, well, we might not even have the right data which answers this question, but let's go get it. So it. it's a very, very cluster <laughs> team. Um, we are 26 at the moment, the whole company. And so we, you know, we are still at a stage where we can talk to each other. We're building more and more of this conversation around data and we're getting better and better every day. We're doing lots of different things.
0: How important then is uh, the ability to communicate with the other people in the organization? I'm thinking particularly maybe the ones who are not so technically literate so if you were to go away and do some research and find some uh, new technology that you thought might be useful to the business, how how do you go about communicating that with the the business people or maybe just even in the sense of some of your analytics and reporting that back, how, how important is that part of your job?
1: So. Communication and storytelling in general—it's it's very critical. I'd say if I weren't able to uh, make people realize why that I'm doing something, people would be like, "Why? Why are we even spending the time doing that?" So it is very critical to be able to communicate the results, and to be able to do that in a very um, entertaining, almost entertaining way. So there's the side of it which is see, it's like presenting you know, the hard metrics, the hard results, or the results of an algorithm and assessing its performance uh, in a way that it's clear to people so that mm, you got the um, uh, the reason to deploy something because that takes also engineering time. But there's also the, um, the entertainment side of things, as in, oh, I discovered this thing, look at this data, this is telling you a story, mm-hmm. which is interesting to everyone. So we do regularly in, we do these things, like we do lunch and learns. Things that everybody, not just me, it's not just about data science. It's everybody in the business can come up and say, "I want to share this thing with people." I want to share something about this tool, which is sp- specific to my work. Mm-hmm. And we sit down together. You invite the people, and there's always a, a nice crowd. Or we do show and tells where people can just feel free to to share something they've done during the week, and it helps building. The narrative around data, but also the, um, the feeling of working together for a community for a project and to making it uh, mm-hmm. go further. Yep. So now communication, I would say as this, and this, uh, so specifically to my work, is very, very important. Yeah. And you need to be able to not be just like, "Oh, I'm going to do this. I got pen and paper, I got my code." And that's it. Yeah. If you don't make it um, understood to people, if you are not able to communicate what's the goal of that, and you don't need to go into the technical details, that's for you, for the people who work with you, but if you're not able to make it, um, make its value be uh, realized, then I don't think you, you, I think you've done just half of the job.
0: Sure. But it is a skill, isn't it, in, to, in, in being able to communicate technical uh, ideas and concepts to non-technical audiences. I think you, you're probably underplaying how difficult it can be sometimes to, uh, to impart that knowledge on people yeah, who, who maybe don't care or don't have that kind of, uh, that kind of mindset. Um, one other thing I do know actually about your, your time there at Mosey is that you, um, you've had an intern uh, in the past because he's somebody that uh, a dash that we, we also had here at the Datalab for a while. I'm just curious if there's any listeners who are thinking about maybe what it's like doing an internship uh, at a company like Molesy or these kind of startups, what the experience is, maybe for an intern going into data science.
1: Yeah, so we had uh, a few interns throughout the years. Actually, typically on the summer placement, these sort of things, where they work specifically within the data part of the company, so they tackle some of the the challenges that we do. It just help along the way of that uh, around recommendations or predictions of fashion trends. Um, yeah, and that was a very, very interesting experience for both sides, I believe. The people mm-hmm. were quite happy um, because they were mm, part of, uh, even if for a short period, but they were part of the project itself. So they were able to see what it means to do this at a practical level, beyond what you see just out of your studies where everything is, is, is great and you've got good knowledge and you know all of these machine learning, super cool things, all of these AI things, but you don't necessarily know how to apply them in practice and you learn the value of maybe a simpler solution over a very sophisticated one that you can't afford because you don't have the time to deploy mm-hmm. it. And you get to see that as that a startup, I believe, is quite valuable from a student point of view because you get to see exactly what it means to do this thing. You get to see what it means to uh, be continuously cleaning data and assessing the quality of your data. That's one of those things that everybody knows that people.
0: It's, right. well, it's welcome to the real world, isn't it? I mean, when you get textbooks with these data yeah. science challenges, problems in you, uh, you're in a very sanitized and clinical environment where the data's all lovely and you know exactly what you have to type to get the results, but the real world's never quite as clean and uh, simple as that, is it? Yeah,
1: and also, in, even outside of academia, there are very sanitized environments, like you can do some of these projects about, but it's because some, someone before has cleaned the data for <laughs> yeah. you uh, in the real world in
0: any company, I believe, eh, it's always the case that you need to do that job. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So Multi uh, seems to be going from strength to strength, uh, you know, I believe it's deployed in many, many countries around the world now and, uh, and seems to be moving on, so hopefully there'll be a role for you there for many years to come. Um, I just wonder if you can kind of cash your mind forward, h- how do you think your role or the role of data scientists in general might change over the next five years?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question because uh, I've been in this, in this design business for now um, two years and a half, pretty much. So it's not that long. However, I've seen uh, quite a good amount of change already. When I started, uh, and that was, in, that, that was in Scotland, but let's say in Europe as a whole, design was at the start of the hype, a little bit uh, later than when this all started in Silicon Valley sort of um, area. Uh, I do believe that this is becoming, like, it is becoming the case, which is probably the same for every other field I don't really know, that it, we are getting nearer and nearer us to be past the hype. Uh, so there's still lots of conversation which has very, are very focused on the potential of these things, but nobody actually has figured out uh, necessarily how to make practical use of these things. Well, maybe not nobody, but not everyone has. There's still lots of uh, quite vague conversation about what the assignments is. So, my very non-scientific prediction about that is that this is going to fade at some point and people are going to probably uh, be separated into different specific, more specific roles, the more this thing gets bought in by more companies. Which will also depend on what size the company is, what sort of uh, business model that I have. But Um, the data scientist role will probably be data something or data something else
0: Mm. So maybe at uh, at a company where you've only got one or two data scientists it'll still be important to be well grounded in the general range of skills but um, if you start to look at larger and larger organizations with teams of dozens or more data scientists maybe there you'll be uh, required to be more specialist and you'll be the data visualization expert or the...
1: Yeah, probably, but also it's going to be the case that data science is going to, I believe, is definitely happening uh, to influence other um, other departments more and more to make other departments be more and more data-driven, which means data scientists again has to be able to communicate with people in other uh, places, not necessarily which come from a super technical or even scientific background, but hmm. it's about working together, it's about collaboration. This is what is cool at about my job in at the end of the line, the, the thing that I like the most is the fact that I get to learn from other people as well. I don't only get to study machine learning all the time, mm-hmm. which is great, I love it, but it would be completely useless to just do that if I weren't able to make it a user. So, so I believe that at a startup level it's yes, as you said, it's it's the case that you wear different hats and every day your hat can change or even mm-hmm. every hour depending on whom you're trying to help. Uh, maybe in a bigger corporation, like, I don't really know, to be honest, but it's going to be the case that you are more focused on the one single thing and you've got very strict requirements on what to do, what sort of model to do. Mm-hmm. So probably this is going to, to be more structured at some point naturally as a
0: field. Sure. And is there anything that you're uh, particularly interested to take on board or that you're looking at at the moment with a view to using in the future?
1: In terms of... Um,
0: in terms of technology or new developments in the field?
1: Well, I am fascinated about the, um, the relationship between the scientific side of data science and uh, the technical side of data science, mm-hmm. which to me is where most of the challenges uh, lie, as in how do you make this model actually be out and be visible, be deployed, let's say. This is where what, what I believe there is a little bit of unfairness in the field, probably, as in data scientists get all of the fancy interest but in reality it's the data engineers which need to to help them to make stuff out so unless you are both which is a very rare thing to be simply because data science itself is already quite broad and the engineers seem like the guys at the back of the of what everything is is relying upon and yeah so i'm personally myself i find myself like learning these things more and more every day and we huge amounts of data, it's definitely not uh, non-trivial. It's, it's easy with small amounts of data, you can crunch a single machine, but that yeah. uh, thing. So I, I do see that probably the interface between these two things with the hype going a little bit down in the years to come is probably going to be smoother. So at the moment, it's still quite the case that there is a difference between the science and the engineer. Mm-hmm. They don't even know how to communicate in many cases. Mm-hmm. and.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully, one uh, one of these future interviews we'll we'll get a data engineering because it'd be very interesting to get their view on what they think of the uh, whole technology stack and and data scientists and how they interface with the data scientists. So that'd be interesting, maybe one for the future. Just one final question before we wrap up, uh, Martina. Um, obviously, you've uh, come across from Italy uh, to Scotland. Uh, I'm curious to know what you know of the data science community in Italy, and obviously, then how we. we how we compare here in Scotland to, to maybe what it's about like in your homeland?
1: So in Italy, Italy is in general, I would say a quite traditional country. When it comes to innovation, it doesn't innovate at a speed which is comparable to the UK in general, to other other countries uh, in Europe. So it's quite a little bit behind still. It is growing, but it grows at a slower pace. Um, I don't know a few people which were state scientists Italy as well, eh, but I would say compared to Scotland, it's probably the case that Scotland is peculiar as a country itself. Again, when I started, there was literally very few people doing this. These days, eh, through the work of many people, which are going to grow the community more and more, I find myself always around at events and things and talking talking data science, both from a technical perspective, but also from the business perspective. I think that colony is peculiar in the sense that it's a small country. You end up knowing, if not everyone, but most people which do a similar job to yours. So you can build up on there, you can build a collaboration. Um, you know, I have many friends in London instead, which is the capital of data science in Europe at the moment. Where there is lots of events, lots of things, it's quite a dispersed environment where you don't really, uh, you can't keep up with everything. It's just uh, too too insane what's going on. In Scotland, it's quite it's quite good, and I think it's growing very well. As in, when I joined, I literally didn't know anyone, and I started meeting people around, and these days. I know pretty much all of this. <laughs> in well, right
0: absolutely. <laughs> and uh, you were one of the first people I wanted to contact to do one of these interviews because you are so well known. But it's to your credit, actually, you know that you always are going to events and I see you there and, and, and giving presentations which are excellent. And so it really helps, obviously, to build that community because... Uh, it takes people like you to put yourself out there to actually make all these connections and, and to make it work. So anyway, with that, Martina, I'd like to thank you for coming along for, for the interview today. Uh, please um, check out our website, www.thedatalab.com, for more information on data science, uh, particularly in Scotland. But uh, just remains for me to thank Martina.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: And we'll be back with another interview soon. Bye-bye.